Industrial Talk is brought to you by Armis. Yes, you are in the digital transformation game. Yes, you need to find trusted companies, trusted individuals to help you along with that journey. The Armis platform delivers complete asset intelligence. You know what that means? Insights into your connected assets. You're in the digital transformation game. You have to have that insights into what is connected. Go to Armis.com. Find out more. You will not be disappointed. Industrial Talk is brought to you by Arduino, the original all-in-one IoT platform. That's right. Go out to Arduino.cc and you will find documentations. You will find devices, powerful boards to help you with your digital transformation journey. It's all there. Go out to Arduino.cc, find out more, see how you can connect with these professionals to help you along with your digital transformation journey. Arduino.cc. Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk, the number one industrial-related podcast in the universe, Sonny. Backed up by data, so don't even go there. I'm not going to argue with you. It is all data being driven right there. And we are broadcasting on-site at... This is Fabtech. This is Fabtech. I was going to go. I was at another conference last week or a couple weeks ago. Oh my God! Are we going to blow that one? All right. This is Fabtech, Atlanta, Georgia, and it's it's three huge halls or whatever you want to call it of just technology solutions providers. And you know what they all have in common? Passion. Passion to solve your problem in the best way possible. Sunny is in the hot seat. Fulcrum is the company. Let's get a correction. Yeah. Sonny Han. Han? Did I say that right? That's right. Han. Get a little closer to the mic there, Sonny Han. Will do. He's the CEO. I am. Big thinker. So if you're if you're at the show, which I don't know, uh, it doesn't matter. If you were at the show, you would say, hey, Scott's booth is right there in the corner. And right to his right is Fulcrum. And you have a team of people who are... They're working the heck out of that booth. Oh, yeah. They're great people. They are. Very lucky. Yeah. I, I, I was trying to I was trying to coach a couple of come over here. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I wouldn't dare do that to you. Anyway, so you, you flew in today. I did. Have you had a chance to sort of look around? I have. Talked to a couple of people already, um, other CEOs of other startups and uh, some you know, tech leaders at more established companies, and uh, just good to connect and meet in person and just to chit chat a little bit so i've gone around or uh, made my rounds already did you go did you go all the way to see i did go all the way to see did you change your time <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah I, I generally try to stay within one time zone but um, it's tough if i have to move it's definitely tough in this uh this venue because you realize how how important manufacturing how important technology how important innovation is needed for just the economy just just business it's so important you see it here and and, and what's really fascinating is just seeing the diversity of of stuff there's a bench there that apparently is good <laughs> I, I just see it there it's got to be good 
And anyway, it's just it's been a it's been a real joy to be able to do that. All right, for the listeners, before we get into talking about Fulcrum, which is a great name, by the way, Fulcrum, uh, Sonny, give us a little background on who you are. I'm just a a nerd that uh, stumbled into manufacturing. Um, as a kid, I immigrated into the United States when I was a really, really little kid, four years old. My mom was studying computer science at the University of Minnesota and moved there and um, just hung out at her computer lab, learned to code at a really young age. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for laughing. That is a, that's an interesting thing. I learned to code at a very young age. I did, and just lucked into everything, really. Uh, the University of Minnesota had a program where uh, elementary school kids would start taking math at the University of Minnesota, and I was uh, part of that. I led the, the math team at my high school, which is through that I met one of our board members, Yishan Wong. He was the CEO of Reddit and one of the first engineers at, 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 at uh, PayPal and, and Facebook. Oh, wow. And uh, he's been an incredible mentor of mine and, and, and a, great, um, a great person to have as a resource. Basically, my life is just a collection of random luck that's led to what I do today. Yeah. Right here, right now. Right here, right now. At FabTech, Georgia, in November. <laughs> it just finally started cooling down a little bit. All right. Tell us just a little bit about Fulcrum. Let's, let's start there. Because people talk about ERPs. It's out there. People talk about the need to be able to, to track a business in a very effective way and data and all that because give us a little background into Fulcrum is an operational platform. It's it's what you would probably consider an ERP. We handle every piece of information that our customers need to operate their business. We help them do some cool stuff with some algorithms and heuristics about when to build stuff and scheduling, when to buy stuff from which vendor, how much, when, um, you know, what to build when, how much is an inventory how much demand is coming. So the core product is a very automated, cloud-based, connected ERP that's really well designed so that your end users can have a really, really good time. Your machinists, your operators, your, your estimators, your sales engineers, we want them to love using the product. And there's a few things that inform that. One, I think this extremely uh, random but potent realization that Manufacturing in the U.S. and in Europe and in Japan and in a lot of other countries is decentralized and distributed. It's a bunch of small manufacturers all working together, oftentimes not even knowing who each other are, that roll up into a Caterpillar backbone or roll up into a Polaris ATV or whatever it is that's being made, a rocket or a, a shuttlecraft. That is incredible. In other countries, manufacturing is very centralized. We've seen some of the dangers of that with COVID and COVID shutdowns in China. But I think it's so, so, so um, delicate and valuable that I'm motivated to create an entire company to try to support this network of manufacturers. The future that I want to vote for is one where there are still hundreds of thousands of small manufacturers working together to make stuff instead of one giant omni factory or something. And that coordination requires technology. We have the internet. We just haven't brought the internet to manufacturers yet. And what we envision is that network. That. Uh, is that really, is that a gap? I mean, when you say the internet not to manufacturers, I know there's a lot of mom and pop um, businesses out there. What do you mean by that? 
So, um, how would you go about finding a new um, CNC shop to do, you know, five-axis work with a specific grade of aluminum at a specific precision? I, you, I wouldn't know. You might go to ThomasNet, you might Google some stuff, but there's tens of thousands of them that are out there, and the discovery of those folks is, is difficult. And then now I'm working with you, and you're, let's say you're a CNC shop, and uh, maybe I'm a, a powder coater. Um, I'm going to give you some lead times that have some buffer, and you're going to give your customers some lead times that have some buffer. And now all of a sudden, something that actually only takes three or four weeks to complete, uh, the end person that's buying it thinks it's a 12-week lead time or something like that. And without some sort of automated coordination, it's just never going to be better than that. But imagine if we could actually tie all these things together, coordinate them together. With the same number of people and the same amount of machines, we could then just produce so much more stuff out of this network. See, this is interesting because this is sort of, this is not like a typical, what I see as a typical ERP. And yeah, I think I we're an ERP that, by, uh, yeah, because, by force. Well, I'm looking at your, your display and it said ERP. So no, no, no we, we are. That, that, that is, that is what but, we are. But it's much more. Yeah, I think you need to build, I think... We slowly realized this. We tried to build AI schedulers first, and we realized we needed to plug into the ERP to get the data out. Then we realized the data in the ERP is trash, so we built a job tracker that allows the uh, the shop floor employee to have a really beautiful interface that has the drawings on there, that they can enter all the all the checkpoints of, of measurements of, of the part on there, that they can start and stop on there, and then we got better data. And then we realized, oh, we got to understand when the material's coming from the ERP. Well, that's slow because people are, like, sending purchase orders out and not entering that information back into the system. Well, then we built that, and we, we never intended to build a full suite ERP. It was just each and every time we built something, we realized there was something else that we needed to make it better for our customers. And over time, we realized that there was a nonlinear, an exponential growth in value we delivered to the customers every time we built something else. When we knew what the purchase orders were, our purchasing planning got that much better. When we knew what the sales orders were, our demand planning got that much better. When we knew what the work centers were and what, what, what the humans could do and, and how many there were, the scheduling got better. And so as we've continued to evolve, we've just, I wouldn't say reluctantly, but it certainly wasn't the grandiose plan to be an ERP system. We just wanted to help improve throughput for manufacturers, and it's grown into this thing. That's interesting. Now, if, if I was uh, if if I if I was on the the Fulcrum platform, I'm a manufacturer. How does the how does the platform help facilitate my vendors? Like I have A, B, C, D, whatever that vendor name, and I want information about where they're at on their, I, I want to tighten things up. That means I've got to be able to have a line of communication. How does that, how does that work in Fulcrum? There, <laughs> it's, there's no publicly published features that do that. We do have technology that for some of our customers, we can tie their information together. A purchase order is a sales order in another company's Fulcrum. Now, the, the real blunt truth is that we're just not large enough. We have hundreds of customers now. We're tripling uh, all, every single time we raise funding, which is either a year or a year and a half. So we've grown uh, over 9x over the last couple of years, three years. But we're not even anywhere near the size we need to be to create a real network. So for us, the strategy right now is let's work with a broad set of manufacturers. Let's work with rubber extruders and let's work with uh, aluminum um, CNC shops with sheet metal fabricators, with uh, plastic injection molders. Let's make sure we can even service all of them really well. 
and then um, let's make the product increasingly awesome so that everyone, it's just a no-brainer that they're going to switch to Florida. That, I think, are the, those are the two ingredients that we need to make sure the network can happen. And so we're experimenting, selfishly, behind the scenes, writing software to connect these businesses together. And so if, if you wanted to, if you opted in for it and you wanted to connect, we could make it so that when you placed a purchase order, it became a sales order in your vendor. We could, we could pull from them, if they wanted to share it, what their capacity is. And maybe uh, the lead time for this quantity is, is three weeks. But if you want 10 times the amount, um, well, you, you're going to have to wait 15 weeks. Well, maybe I'm going to place five smaller orders for uh, one-tenth the amount, get them exactly when I need them instead of buying a huge amount. And that way, everybody's capacity starts to loosen, and we just get way more yield out of the situation. I, I don't see how you can avoid that. I think that that's where it's going. Yeah. I know if I was a just a manufacturer, I would. I want to see. I want to have as much visibility into my business, into my vendors, so that I'm as efficient as I possibly can be. I mean, I just that would be the ideal situation. And then having that conversation, I want to buy my materials from you. Let's have this conversation about how we connect and how you send that information. I, I just don't see any other way of getting around it. Yeah, I think the industry is trending in that way. The, yeah. It used to be that there were job shops that did yeah. only custom stuff and there were long-run manufacturers. Well, the long-run manufacturers, they're hearing from the auto companies, we're going to change this program every year now instead of every three years. And instead of having one lump sum in our warehouse, we want blanket orders where you deliver stuff to us every other week. Well, now, imagine how difficult it is to go from scheduling, I'm going to build this for three weeks, to I'm going to build this four times over the course of three weeks and schedule that all together. It, it went from a, a three-by-three Sudoku board to a 100-by-100 Sudoku board, and it's just getting almost impossible for these businesses to solve. And because these businesses are so richly diversified and distributed and, and decentralized, um, they're not hugely powerful. They're not 100 billion dollar companies that can afford to write software for themselves. They need somebody else to build this technology for them. So I think that's where the need comes from for what our vision is for the, for the market. So with that said, as we venture into the future, um, I would imagine, of course, Fulcrum wants to be bigger, stronger, faster. You want to apply the Steve Austin approach to your business. Um, where do you see Fulcrum growing? Because you guys are growing rapidly. Guys, it, it, clearly it's it's that way. Is it, what do you see yourself going? Where do you want to go? So I think we, I talk internally a lot about not comparing ourselves to competitors. We really want to continue to just service our customers as best as possible. So from a growth standpoint, we try as best as possible to see the sales growth, the customer count growth as a natural byproduct of the product getting better and really just invest as much of our energy into making the product better as possible. And it's hard, it's hard because you, you, you have a very volatile uh, stock market environment, we have really great venture capitalists that, that are backing us, but the, the value of your company is largely based on how much revenue you have. So it's really easy to fall into that trap of, well, I need to be at you know X number of million dollars yeah. in revenue. Yeah. We really try to, to force that as the revenue is an outcome that's driven by a better product, by a better marketing plan, not the other way around. Because I think you can get into this really toxic mindset that's like, well, we have to hit this thing. I'm gonna say yes to a customer that doesn't actually fit. We're gonna build some stuff just to close them and then your product gets muddy and cluttered and whatever it may be. So I think 
keeping the long-term sanctity of this vision of a network of manufacturing alive is we want we want the luxury to make that as the power to be in our hands as much as possible so that we can continue to stick to that. So insofar as growth, yeah. we yeah. want to grow enough to be self-sustainable. So, one last question before we wrap it up. Um, do you have sort of groups out there that you take suggestions like I, I we have these working groups and we we all use uh, your, your your solution and we think that it would be great to have this and then this and then provide those insights into your organization yeah um, we have a, we use a piece of software called tribe and it's like a community platform and all of our customers if they want to can sign up and put ideas in there and sometimes it's negative and sometimes it's positive and then actually just before this we did a, a live stream from Fabtech for our customers and they asked a bunch of questions about is this feature coming how do you think about this so we tr we try to have an incredibly open dialogue with our customers about it some customers are just happy as is they don't want to mess with that they want as stable of a product as possible but a large portion of them want to tell us what their thoughts are and have been really, really fun to work with because they understand that we can see so many manufacturers and we can deliver really great ideas that maybe they can't see, but they still want to share that feedback with us. So I think for now, uh, we're, we're managing that feedback really well. We're getting a lot of ideas from them. In in the in time, we're probably going to have to formalize that and make some sort of yeah. customer council of, of non-customers as well to try to, right. to collect the information in a balanced way. So with that said, I have one last sure. one last question. I'm sorry about that. Um, so this particular this this particular event, this you are focused primarily. If I was a manufacturer, and I'd say, "Gosh, I, I like hearing what Sony has to say. I want to knock on the door. I want to be able to sort of begin that dialogue." What is your typical approach to a manufacturer saying, I hear it, I want it, how do you approach that manufacturer? So if, if you just want to learn more, um, anyone can email me, sunny at fulcrumpro.com, sunny like the weather. My inbox blows up all the time. I, I might not answer fa as fast as I used to, but I always answer everybody's emails. Um, if you actually think that you could be a good fit, our process is maybe a little antithetical. We do as much as we can to push you out. We, we ask you a bunch of questions to make sure that you fit. And once we believe you fit, we'll give you a price, we'll show you the software right away. There's no need to set up a demo. The product is cloud-based, it's, it's super intuitive. We don't need to do anything. You can see a demo right away, and then you can ask us questions. Be like, okay, we handle things this way, how would we handle it in full form? And either we have no answers for you, and, and then we would say you don't fit, or all of our answers make sense, and then we would see what we would need to do to implement it. Seems painless. Well, there's a little bit of pain, but oh, yeah, uh, but I, I've, I've I've integrated software. It can be painful. That, that sounds like you guys got it under control. But yeah, we already given me our contact information. This is Fulcrum. This is just Fulcrum.com. Fulcrum.com. Pro. I'm looking at your card right now. Fulcrumpro.com. You were great, Sonny. You were too. Thank you. Thank you for doing all this. Uh, this is this is a lot of fun. All right, we're going to have all the contact information for Sonny out on industrialtalk.com as well as Fulcrum. I highly recommend, just like uh, like I keep on saying, you need to reach out. You need to find individuals. You need to find those Sherpas that'll help you become a better business. I think Sonny and uh, Team Fulcrum fit that bill. Reach out to them. Go out to industrialtalk.com. All right, once again, we are broadcasting from Fabtech. It is in Atlanta, Georgia, and it is a great, great event. Put this on the calendar for next year. So if you find yourself, you got to get out here, make it happen, Captain. We're going to wrap it up on the other side. Stay tuned. We will be 
right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk, and definitely thank you very much for your support. Sonny Han, he was in the hot seat. Fulcrum is the company. You need to check them out. It'll all be out on industrialtalk.com. So just go out there, click on the link, boom. You'll get a stat card, which is pretty doggone impressive. Yep, he's been around seven, close to eight years for Fulcrum. Incredible stuff. Right, check it out. And Team Fulcrum, I got to tell you, man, they were all on it, man. They were just absolutely working the floor. They definitely, without a doubt, have your best interest at heart. Okay? Just keep that in mind. It's a fact, Jack. All right, once again, the platform. Industrial Talk is dedicated to you industrial professionals as well as those companies. You need to amplify that voice. You need to tell your story. Go out to Industrial Talk. Reach out to me. Say, hey, Scott, I want to be on the podcast. I'm going to be at this conference. Whatever it might be, let's get you. Let's get your voice heard because that's what we're all about. Education, yes. Collaboration, absolutely. Innovation, a must. And we just got to continue to bring out that human side of you each and every day because you're you're changing the world. All right, be bold, be brave, dare greatly. Hang out with Sonny and you're going to change the world. Thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk once again. We're going to have another great conversation coming from Fabtech, so stay tuned.